Good morning. We just heard an angel sing, didn't we? Beautiful. Thank you so much. Good morning. As I mentioned to you before many times, even as the sun shines outside, Jesus, the loving God, shines in this beautiful sanctuary this morning. That deserves an amen? amen. There you go. Uh, before we get into uh, having a testimony, let me make a suggestion. We have a beautiful hymnal that's right in front of you. And if you get here early, my suggestion is pick it up and look at a, a hymn and just read the words. You don't have to sing it, but just read the words. There are hundreds of hymns in this book that go all the way back when I was a child, <laughs> many years ago. <laughs> but, but it is, it's beautiful. There are some hymns in there that will bring tears to your eyes even as you read them. So do that. That would be great. Um, my name is Harvey, and uh, we're going to do testimony time. Uh, if you have something that you were involved this last week or the week before with God, uh, this is the time to share that because, you know, we're all brothers and sisters, aren't we? And uh, we want to know what's going on. And we want to celebrate with you or pray with you. And um, so just raise your hand and uh, we'll just, just raise your hand <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll come on over to you. We got somebody? Oh, there she is. I'm, I'm going to come back to you. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Happy almost fourth. So the thing that I am thankful in the place where I've seen God this weekend in general is just in the process. So I've heard the saying, and I kind of like it, trust the process, but I'm kind of trusting God's process. It, we've been through, you know, the whole house thing, and we're seeing things be completed after working hard and putting effort in and so much prayer and so much love from everybody. And seeing that God has seen us through that, even when we're in the middle of a really hard moment, is really neat. And a few years ago, Manya gave us some of her raspberry plants, and they didn't grow last year or the year before, and I did, they were barely there, covered by weeds, and then this year, boom, they exploded. And we had a whole harvest, and I was able to make banana bread with these raspberries in them. And sometimes it just starts so small, kind of like that mustard seed faith, and you see something, and it, it seems slow, and it's hard to wait, and things are tough, but when you see something through to, through to fruition and you're able to have a harvest out of it, that is really neat. So I'm thankful for just seeing God in the process, in the middle, and seeing him start things and finish things. That's really neat. Thank you. I, I don't know if this, I don't know if this uh, uh, would relate to anything that you were talking about, but I was just telling my friend here, uh, when I when I get hard times, feel bad, get depressed, and everything, this is what I do. And uh, to to prove it, if anyone wants to see it at home, I've got over 200 uh, gospel songs on my computer that that kind of helps me through the through the rough times. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, one time last night, as a matter of fact, I saw one and then uh, one of the songs, and, and he kind of cut through one of the songs, and he says, if you love Jesus, stand up. And I, 
had overcome with the spirit already by the words that were being said. And I jumped up, me all alone in my apartment, I jumped up clapping and crying and said, I love you, Jesus, I love you, Jesus, you know. And uh, I do that a lot, just about every other night, so. <laughs> Thank you. We got somebody on Zoom? Go ahead. Good morning, I'm Nasha, can you hear me? No. So, can you, can you hear ready. me? Hello, somebody's on Zoom. Hi. Can you hear me? So on Friday, my husband went in for a routine procedure. And during the procedure, they noticed a little blip on his heart. Um, so he was sent over to the ER. And they said he had atrial fibrillation or AFib, which he has no history of at all. So it was like, okay, what does this look like? Um, we were there for six hours. During that time, I sent texts to all the people who are in my prayer circle, um, the other elders, just all the people who I usually go to. And I was sitting there just waiting, listening. In my spirit, I knew everything was going to be okay, but you still are like, okay, what does this look like? They were at the point of recommending um, blood thinners and keeping him overnight just for observation and did about six or seven EKGs during that six hour period. And this AFib, he kept going in and out, in and out of AFib. So the doctor comes back at the last time and says, um, we're gonna take a total left turn from everything I've said all day. And he goes, I really don't think this is AFib. This is some little blip in the heart, maybe an irregular heartbeat, but it's not doing what AFib does. So the heart is still working in concert together. Um, so yeah, we're not gonna put you on blood thinners and you don't have to stay overnight for observation. Just you know, go to follow up with your primary care physician and a cardiologist as soon as possible. So I was like, okay, cool, that's cool. My husband's sitting there and he looked over at me and he goes, excuse the language, you were bringing your ass off over there, weren't you? I was like, yeah. So I think with that, we can never underestimate the power of prayer because for six hours, it was AFib and blood thinners and you're probably gonna stay at least overnight. It went to, yeah, that's not what it is. Go home, you're good. Um, and he said he owes our Bible, my Bible study dinner after that. So that was awesome. So I just, the encouragement is don't forget to pray. Don't forget your prayer warriors and don't underestimate the power of prayer. Oh, thank you. Anybody else? Um, I'm going to tell you a short story about me, and I need prayers. Uh, long story short, uh, there was an argument between myself and the mayor of East Point when we had our cruise, and um, she filed a assault, attempted assault on myself. And uh, I had to go to the sheriff's office and give a statement. And they also called in four of our five pastors that were doing prayers for our crews. Those uh, statements have been sent to the 
prosecuting attorney's office, and it probably will be one or two months before we find out what the verdict is, if he thinks we should go to trial. Uh, there was no, there's no, there was nothing physical at all. And um, so, first of all, I don't know what the pastors wrote down, and they wouldn't tell me, and the sheriff's department wouldn't tell me either, but I, I pray every day, and I'm trying to keep up a good spirit, but it wouldn't hurt if I had somebody pray for me uh, here at church with, you, with all of you. And uh, before I dismiss all the kids to Sunday school, I, I know pastor that's not Sunday school, but you know, uh, I, I want to welcome the first time visitors. You are really welcome here. And do we still have the bag lunch on pastor? We still have the bag lunch? After church service, we're going to have a bag lunch out in, outside, I think, uh, in the courtyard. So those of you who are interested in staying, if you brought something to eat, uh, you know what, you can share it. We don't have 5,000 fishes, but you could, you could, you could share your food. Um, so, kids, I'm dismissing the kids. Where are you at? <laughs> kids are released, and let's stand and pray for Harvey. <laughs> the good thing about Jesus is that he speaks into a lot of these kinds of things. And Jesus' prayer was that peace could be made made between brothers and sisters, reconciliation that can be made. And so we, we know that there is brokenness in our relationships. And Jesus again and again and again says, oh, let there, let there be peace, because we have a God who forgives. And so, Lord Jesus, would you bring reconciliation as Harvey's heart and body and mind are hurting and pained by this reality of disunity and also the, just the accusation of harm. We know our brother's heart to love, but Jesus help. Let there be reconciliation. Let there be forgiveness. Let there be amending. And Holy Spirit, come bring your peace, but also you groan. You come and you give us words in groaning. And so spirit fill Harvey with groaning, because you give those words of aching of what should be, as Jesus himself groaned over sorrow, over the brokenness. So come Holy Spirit. Amen.
You guys can find a seat. Welcome. Welcome to Genesis. Hi, my name is Greg Jackman, and fun fact about me, even though me and my wife Julia have been attending for about a year, I still can't spell Genesis well. <laughs> I always get the E's and the I's mixed up, but <laughs> um, we like to check in here at Genesis, so um, you should find a green card in front of you in your pew, or you can fill out the digital connection card. Um, find, uh, found on our website, so please do that. If you are new to Genesis, you can text new to Genesis, one word, uh, to 94,000. Uh, you can place that physical green card in the wooden box at the back. Um, that is also where you uh, give your contributions if you've brought that with you and if you call Genesis home. Thank you for all who give online through that text. Um, yeah, uh, create a place to belong. Um, if you're willing to host a gathering this summer, we really believe that Genesis, we want to be a place of belonging where connections can happen. 
So we're thinking that maybe something in the backyard or if you feel up for hosting, um, like a picnic or a bonfire or something in your backyard, summer games or something else that is creative and you love, um, yeah, we would love to get you involved in hosting. Um, please contact Pastor Nate uh, to set that up uh, so for something over the summer. Um, Genesis is looking for a youth ministry director to lead, lead our middle and high school kids. It's a part-time position with a lot of flexibility. Um, if this is something that you or someone you know would be interested in, stop by the garden desk in the lobby. Um, also, we need a few time, uh, summertime volunteers to brew coffee on Sundays. Because of vacations and also new babies, which is exciting, uh, there's a lot of vacancies that we need to fill. So um, put that on your digital green card. Um, yeah, uh, or talk to one of the staff. Um, Harvey mentioned, but we're having a bag lunch. Um, it's just going to be informal. We're going to be gathering either in the cafe or outside. Um, if you didn't bring a lunch with you, uh, go and run and get some takeout, and we'd be happy to connect over that. Um, that's all I have, so uh, please take a couple minutes to connect with those around you.
Chick. All right, let's go. Try and uh, wrap up your conversation. Try and wrap up your conversation. It's 10.30 and I'm gonna need all of the next hour and a half, so let's, let's go. <laughs> all right. Well, good morning. Happy 4th of July weekend. Norm is our mascot with his uh, 4th of July tank top on. Oh, Michael, you have a 4th of July tank? Okay, all right. Anyone else? Oh, in the back, all right, wonderful, love it. All right, this morning we're continuing our um, series that's been inspired by this book called Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God. And it's written by a gentleman named Brian Zond. Um, at the end of my talk, there will be a resource slide that will have that on there. And also, um, there was a very um, influential podcast called The Bible for Normal People. And I love it because it seems, it seems to be directed to me. Um, but on there, uh, there was a great episode with Brian Blount, and so there's information about that um, if you want to look at resources after this. Because today, I get to talk about Revelation, which is going to be exciting for us, but it's impossible to have a conversation about Revelation uh, within, you know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes. So my hope is that I will maybe course correct some stuff. Um, maybe you'll find connection with admission or confession that I make. Um, hopefully, you'll be inspired to go and to read the book of Revelation on your own. So, if any of those things happen, then I would say that this is a win. But just a confession um, right up front. Uh, Hannah sang a song, and the bridge said... You're never gonna, you're never gonna let me down. And I don't know if you have felt a cognitive dissonance in your life where your words are trying to say something, but your heart, your soul, your spirit is in conflict with the words. Uh, for me, I could sing that whole song, and then when she got to the bridge, I was like, hmm, really? Like, that was, m m my response was, really? God, you're never going to let me down? Hmm. Like, if I start to run the narrative of my story, is, do, is that a statement that I actually think is true? And then it made me immediately think about what Bethany shared. And what Bethany shared was that she planted raspberry bushes 
a few seasons ago. And then all of a sudden they started to bear fruit. And so if you're like me, and you couldn't sing that bridge, this morning's message is directly for you. Because the book of Revelation is actually that. That there's a hope that's been unfulfilled. And that there's a longing in us, a groaning in all of creation to be reconciled to God. And we're living in the now, but the fulfillment of that is in the not yet. And so I want to pray and just ask the Lord to meet us in that space this morning. Um, And if you're like me, you may have emotion or tears or a list of ways that you think God has not shown up. Or that God has let you down. And I would say this morning, you have permission You have permission to bring those up before God. So let me pray for us. God, we invite your spirit to lead us and to teach us, to comfort us, to guide us, to mentor us, to instruct us. And so I I don't invite your spirit here because it's already here amongst us. And so I ask for us to be moldable, fillable, that we would be receptive to what you have to say to us this morning. And for those of us that have a list of ways that the story has not been made right, would you speak a word to us? Give us a sense of your presence. That you see us and that you're with us. And so Emmanuel, God with us, have your way in this time. I'm praying in Jesus' name, amen. When I think about the book of Revelation, it reminds me that I've had many different relationships with this book over the course of my life. In the 1980s, Revelation to me was all dragons and beasts and special number sequences that exposed secret government plots because they wanted to assign everyone a computer chip in their forehead. You You guys all remember that, right? Absolutely. Revelation to me in the 80s was purely about not believing the wrong things at the wrong moment. And that moment was when Jesus returned. Jesus is coming, look busy. That was revelation to me. And there was a certainty in the 80s that Mikhail Gorbachev was the Antichrist. And so was Margaret Thatcher. And probably the Pope as well, depending on who you were talking to. (laughs) In the 1990s, revelation to me was about the WWW of the World Wide Web, which the church said stood for 666, the number of the beast. And there was certainty that the Gulf War was the beginning of Armageddon, the war to end all wars. 
Also in the 90s, Saddam Hussein was the Antichrist. And that pope was as well. And probably Marilyn Manson. It just depended on who you were talking to. As I grew up, I found it interesting and even convenient that the Antichrist of the day was usually somebody who opposed capitalism or evangelicalism, but that depended on who you were talking to. Surprisingly, on my most recent reads through Revelation, I'm not sure that any of this cultural or current event stuff is even in there which really is a disturbing observation or revelation, one could say. I would even argue that most Jesus followers haven't ever read Revelation. Hands raised in here on who has read Revelation. I see the five or seven. The issue is this. Most of us wouldn't have any idea what is actually written in Revelation. Because we've been so intimidated or put off by what we've heard about it. We wouldn't know the difference between the visions of John on the island of Patmos and the fiction of the Left Behind franchise starring Kirk Cameron. To most of us, they would be one and the same. When I would think about Revelation, I used to think about an apocalyptic checklist of events. Events that had been predicted by some guy in a trance. And when that list was completed, those events would set off an alarm in heaven, probably a buzzer. And then God the Father would say, somebody get Jesus. The red alarm has gone off. And then God would send Jesus back to earth and say, don't forget the trumpet. Somebody grab the trumpet. There's supposed to be a trumpet blast. And Jesus would ride a horse and usher in the end of days. And somehow Mad Max would be involved. But how many times have we looked to the clouds to see if they're parting when we've heard a trumpet sound? A lot for me because I grew up in the Salvation Army. Especially at camp, distant trumpets would be sounded all the time. Essentially, this represented a very literal reading of Revelation. Growing up, I owned this stylish Rapture t-shirt. has Converse All-Stars on it. Smoke coming out of the Converse All-Stars. And it says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, I bought that shirt for myself. I mail-ordered it, so that tells you something. I was serious about the rapture. So, Bo, what verse in Revelation tells us about the rapture? You can phone a friend, maybe Drew, who's sitting next to you. Drew, Drew, what verse in Revelation talks about the rapture? That's right. It's not there. 
That question was intended for Dan Botrito, so you guys know, but he's not on site, so. <laughs> it's not there. I bought the t-shirt. <laughs> and it's not there. Over time, more and more of my study of Revelation, I found that this literalist approach isn't what Revelation was about when it was written. And that's why I couldn't find it. It isn't a doomsday vision about God's people being raptured out of the earth. It's actually a beautiful telling of how the kingdom of God erupts into everyday, present day, in every generation. It's actually an answer to generations of Jesus followers that have faithfully prayed the words of Jesus, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Revelation is an invitation to join God, bringing about a new heaven and a new earth today, right here in Royal Oak. John 3.17, it's the companion verse to the one that gets all the press at sports games. John 3.17 gives us the reason for John 3.16. It says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Remember what we considered a few weeks ago, that God is not mad at us. God and Jesus have the same plan to save the world. God is in the act of reconciling all things unto himself, all of creation. So if Revelation isn't about God condemning and destroying the world, then what is it about? <laughs> See, historical context is really helpful for us approaching the reading of Revelation. John, the seer, the writer of Revelation, was in political exile on an island for being a faithful witness of Jesus. Under compulsion from the Spirit of God, John, in the Spirit, as John refers to it, skillfully pulls specific, meaningful, powerful, imagery from Jewish history and mixes it with the current political events of his day in order to reveal a more full story of the saving of humanity that is revealed from Genesis on, from the Garden of Eden to Babylon to Jerusalem to the New Jerusalem. And John's intent is to bolster worship and witness. In Revelation, John's writing to seven churches in Asia Minor. They are on the brink of persecution themselves under the Roman Emperor Domitian. Now, this Domitian was a powerful emperor, but also a megalomaniac. 
he took Roman throne after the mysterious death of his brother. Unlike the regular Roman empires that would posthumously ascribe the status of deity to their emperors, Domitian decided he was God in flesh now and should be referred to as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and expected all under empire's influence to follow suit. You can start to see why there would be conflict between Domitian and John. It was into this conflict that John pens Revelation. John used the opportunity to affirm each of the seven churches that he was writing to, but he also gave them specific warnings about how they may be mixing up their worship of Jesus with the declarations Rome was making about its empire, and specifically that Domitian had claimed to be a representation of the divine here on earth. So the question came to a head. Should you worship Rome and the Roman Empire or should you worship Jesus as Lord? And you can't do both. The book is prophetic because the same question is relevant today. Who do we worship? But put yourself in their shoes. All the facts point to Rome being the true world power. The church is to worship Jesus, but Rome has just crucified Jesus. Who is really in power? The situation is relevant for us today. Who is worthy? of our worship. The Dems, are the Dems worthy of our worship? The Republicans, is democracy? Democracy worthy of our worship? Capitalism? You can see how this doesn't work. And John is saying in Revelation, Look at the lordship and look at how they rule. And this is so crucial for us to understand as we think about Revelation. Otherwise, we will be tempted to worship whatever power or empire we think has the greatest chance of winning. Amen? But winning in Revelation looks totally different than the way of Rome or Babylon or any other empire. Revelation 5 gives us an insight to what winning looks like. It says, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll, written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? 
And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much. Because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. That's intense. Why the weeping? In John's vision, this is the apex of all of humanity. The whole story from Eden till now is represented. And at the apex of all humanity, none could be found to open the scroll, to be the savior of all mankind. And so John openly weeps. Verse 5, but one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Yes. Everybody's arms go up. Yes. Nobody's doing it. It's just me. Everybody's arms goes up. Yes. And say, repeat it. We're winning. Repeat after me. We're winning. We have a lion. The king of beasts. King of the jungle. I don't know. All of a sudden, I was in Disney, and it was kind of racist. But we're winning. We got a lion. Verse 6, and I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth, the seven churches. Catch that? Then he came, took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Don't miss this. <laughs> we just celebrated a lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah. This is specific. John is saying... From Jewish history, the lion, who is a victor in Revelation, is a lamb. Not the lion and the lamb. The lion is a lamb. And not just a lamb. A slain lamb. A slaughtered lamb. At the apex of humanity... When all hope seems lost, a slaughtered lamb will be the savior of all mankind. Jesus is the one who is worthy to open the scroll. Not Domitian. This is a direct attack on the empire. Domitian should be the one on the throne, 
who has the power to open the scroll. And John says, nobody, nobody on earth, under the earth. The self-sacrificing lamb, Jesus, who went willingly to the cross, the man that touches lepers and forgives sex workers, a friend of those that are deemed dirty, Jesus, the one that breaks Sabbath law to administer healing and restoration, Jesus, the one who includes Gentiles into God's family, is worthy. And John says, worship him. Jesus is Lord and Savior of humanity, not Rome, not Domitian. And then in Revelation 19, John goes on. It says, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. Side note. The slogan of the Roman Empire was faithful and true. This is not coded. It's very direct. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. Throwback to a slaughtered lamb. And his name is called the Word of God. His name is called the Word of God. When God wanted to express something, it was this. Logos, the Word of God that we say incarnate became flesh and the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen white and clean followed him on white horses the white horse is a horse of victory not a horse of battle the one who is faithful and true Jesus rides the white horse of victory because the war has already been won. But we're waiting for raspberries. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Jesus' sword is what comes from his mouth. The Roman Empire used a different sword. <laughs> Jesus' sword is his truth and what comes from his mouth. 16, and he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
And then John drops the mic and is like, boom! This is directed totally to Domitian. Domitian has taken the title, King of Kings and Lords of Lords. And John says, oh, that's tatted on Jesus' thigh. <laughs> like, I think, I think you all should have a different response than you're having, unless I put most of you to sleep. That's, that's an intense moment in Revelation. John says Jesus is the true King of kings and Lord of lords and reclaims the title directly from Domitian. This is the subversive nature of God. A slain lamb when a lion is expected. The lamb that's just been slaughtered by Rome rides victoriously in a blood-stained Rome and show, shows off his tats that say faithful and true, which are the slogan of the Roman Empire's army. It's all too, it's all too direct. And John is unequivocally saying, Jesus is Lord, what will you do with it? Jesus is Lord, what will you do with it? Will you worship him? Not only does Revelation lift up the worthiness of Jesus to be worshipped, it also highlights the restorative arc of the Bible from Eden to the New Jerusalem that God has been restoring and God's plan is and has always been to restore all of the created world, not to condemn it. It's really important for us as we approach Revelation to have this lens that God's plan is to save the world. Otherwise, God has a different agenda than Jesus. And if Jesus is the perfect reflection of God, then that cannot be. This lens helps us to see the beautiful and glorious unfolding of God's full plan, that a new heaven and a new earth erupts around us. When the lordship of Jesus is chosen over Rome or over any other competing empire, God's plan to restore humanity is happening now and not yet fully. And God is inviting us today to live into that future. Revelation 22 is so beautiful. It says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, 12 tribes, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree, so the fruit of the tree, the, what has grown off of the tree, the leaves of the tree, were for the healing of the nations. If you follow the story in Romans, it says that we, Gentiles, non-Jewish, were grafted in 
we are grafted into the tree. So we, we then become the growth off of the tree. And John says the leaves, the growth of the tree, is intended for the healing of the nations. I believe if John was writing an eighth letter this week, one uh, to the church of Genesis in Royal Oak, I think this is what his word to us would be. I think he would say, many have misplaced their hope in empires. And so they battle with each other over whose version is right. Confess and repent. And be the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. Amen. Our mending the world value is our attempt to be the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations. Our value is that God's plan is to mend the broken world through Jesus. We join in God's work to bring justice, reconciliation, mercy, and shalom upon the earth until Jesus returns in ultimate triumph over brokenness. Many of us have placed our hope in empires. And we need to confess and repent and be the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations because our empires will divide us when we put ourselves towards this goal of being the leaves we'll find little Edens and little new Jerusalems popping up all over the place. In our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our families, in our relationships. And people all around us are crying out for this. Scripture says all creation groans for this. There's this beautiful part in Revelation 22. It says, and the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. This is the invitation of Revelation. In the podcast I referenced with Brian Blount, he says, we know what the future is supposed to look like. We should be using our resources to live 
or create that future in the midst of the present. That is how we witness to the Lordship of Jesus Christ today. Amen. I don't have to tell you this, but people are tired. They're beat up. They're bruised. They're bummed out with what empire has brought them. They're angry at what empire has failed to deliver. And they're longing for the pure, crystal clear water of life. My prayer for us as a church is that our worship and our witness would erupt pockets of Eden and the new Jerusalem. And that we would be known in this city as a place where the leaves of the tree for the healing of the nations is located. Where the lonely and the lost and the broken and the needy would find the water of life. And my prayer for us as a church is that we would be poised for action. And that we would not just make petition with our mouth for God's kingdom to come and to, for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. But that we would recognize that we are the resource that God is asking to use for that kingdom to come. Let me pray. So we start from a place of uh, observation and reflection. And so if there's any empire that we have subscribed to that is in competition with you, would you show it to us? Expose it in our hearts, place its name in our minds. What is in competition with you? And we ask your spirit to guide us in confession and to guide us in repentance that we would turn from perhaps where our hope has lied. And we ask for leaves of healing. And we ask for crystal clear water. And you invite us to come. And so what, what does that look like for us to respond? So God, have, have your way in this moment. And would your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
Hannah's going to sing a song. You don't have to sing with her. You can listen. You can reflect. You can uh, ask the Lord to continue to search your heart. Um, or perhaps you will want to worship. But Hannah, take this moment and...
for elder prayer as we close. So uh, Sandra's here and uh, Bo's here. I'm here. Anyone else? Is anyone worthy? Um, sorry, that was a poorly, poorly placed joke. As you go, look for opportunities where God's kingdom might be wanting to erupt and make yourself available to join in. And so this isn't something that you have to create. God's the one fulfilling the plan. And so it's us joining. So be blessed as you go. If you want prayer, please come forward. And specifically, if you're in that space uh, that Bethany referenced, you're in a waiting space. Um, I think I think that there's prayer for you this morning, so I would just in, invite you. If you're in a space of waiting and you, you, you couldn't sing the bridge, if that's you, um, come forward so we can pray with you and also leverage our faith for you. So have a wonderful 4th of July weekend and remember um, who is Lord and, it's, and whose empire the fireworks are for. I'm kidding. The fireworks are for the United States. But have a wonderful weekend.